You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fowl. For he had dominion over all the region west of the Euphrates, from Tifsa to Gaza, over all the kings west of the Euphrates. And he had peace on all sides around him. And Judah and Israel lived in safety. From Dan even to Beersheba, every man under his vine and under his fig tree all the days of Solomon. Solomon also had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And those officers supplied provisions for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table, each one in his month. They let nothing be lacking. Barley also and straw for the horses and swift steeds they brought to the place where it was required, each according to his duty. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the East and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezraite, and Haman, and Calcol, and Darda the sons of Mahol and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish. And people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with me, that you'd be with us as we look at King Solomon today. Uh, Help us to see your beautiful, amazing character through it. Uh, Would you be pleased to comfort those that need to be comforted? And would you please be pleased to convict those uh, that are perhaps too comfortable? Uh, Change us, mold us, shape us to be more like your son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in this series of kings. We're in the series uh, of kings. Um, similar to what we did at the start of Exodus, today is a little bit of an intro to sort of uh, give you an idea of some of the common themes that I want us to see. As we go through kings, there's, if, if you were to read through one and two kings, it's, it's epic. And there's so much that we could be thinking about. But I just want us to have a couple of lenses to keep looking through so that we can kind of come back to those as we go through these, these characters over the next few weeks. 
In these series, there's two common themes that I want us to that I want us to sort of keep coming back to. Maybe they're uh, things you'll highlight in your gospel community in the week. The first thing is I want you to see is that God will always act in accordance with His reputation and for His adoration. That'll be a common theme that we'll see with every single king as we go through these couple of as we go through these couple of books. God. The most high God, the most holy God, the most greatly to be praised God, he will always be acting in accordance with his reputation and adoration. Always. The second thing, the second common theme that we'll see through as we look at these kings is we're going to see that human leadership, human leadership, it will always fail us. Jesus' leadership will never fail us. Human leadership will always fail us. Jesus' leadership will never fail us. Now, straight away, uh, as a pastor of a church, I'm human. <laughs> and that's fun to say that point at the front of this series. I will probably fail you. More, I'm not more than probably, I will fail you. There'll be things you'll be like, ah, Louis, gee, he sucks in that area, doesn't he? And I'll have to say, yes, I preached on that that time. <laughs> but that's why I want to be, a, that's why I want to, you know, personally, I want to be a pastor that is always pointing us to the senior pastor, our great high priest, King Jesus. Okay. He will never fail us. Two common, the those two common themes. Okay. And then as we go through each week, we're going to have a unique lesson from every king. There'll be a unique lesson from every king. Today, let's set things up. I want us to put us in the story of the kings, where we are in the grand historical na narrative of the Bible. I want to put us in the story because a text without a context is a proof text for a pretext. <laughs> That's all right. That's why we start our gospel communities with the first question, what's the context of the passage? Where are we? What are we looking at? So I'm going to put us in the story. We're going to then see how God will always act in accordance with his reputation and, and adoration. We're going to see Jesus' perfect leadership and we will see a unique aspect of Solomon for us today because that's where we are with Solomon. All right, so context, where are we? Okay, big zoom out picture. If we go back a little bit to the book of Judges, the book of Judges there hasn't been a king, has there, in the book of Judges? We know the book of Judges is there's, there's these judges that kind of have this king-like role that God blesses the people with. But the, but the main refrain through the book of Judges is what? They were without a king and they did what was right in their own eyes. And basically it goes to show just like, oh, when people are just left up to their own devices, it goes real bad. It goes real bad. And so the people are like, we want a king, we want a king, we want a king. So then God's just like, all right, you don't need a king. I'm kind of like, God, I'm, I'm looking after you guys. But sure, uh, you can have Saul. And old King Saul was not a merry old Saul. Um, <laughs> starts real good, doesn't he? But then King Saul, uh, Saul, he uh, does not go so good. Um, and uh, actually God, uh, he's just, he takes his blessing away from Saul. And that doesn't go well. But after Saul... Who do we see after Saul in this, in, in this season now for God's people? King, do any of our kids know it? Come on, who's after Saul? Killed Goliath. David, yes, King David. King David, he's a man's man. King David, he can play out on the guitar or harp, guitar, harp, lute, anyway. He's a fierce, fearless warrior. He's a man after God's own heart. He writes a whole heap of poetry, which makes it into the Bible. This is a snag. This is a sensitive new age guy, King David. We love King David. He's a man after God's own heart. 
And so we're in this part now where uh, God's people, after the liberation from Egypt, they've now got this king. They're now seeing success in battle. They're now starting to take ground and they've got King David. Oh, yeah, King David, he's awesome. This is going really well. And then King David, he, he gets after his, this is where we are in 2 Samuel. David, after a lot of victory in battle, he's, you know, it's now coming to a time of peace. A lot of the enemies are being subdued. God is blessing David with a lot of victory. And we get to this point where David's just like, Hmm. God's been cruising around with us. He's been in the tabernacle. He's been with the tent. You know, we thought about it was Tabernacle 1.0. We thought about that through through our Exodus series. And David's like, oh, we need to build God like a proper tent, don't we? I'm going to do that. My next thing is I'm not going to fight a battle. I'm going to build a house. And then we get to 2 Samuel. All right, really important context for Solomon, 2 Samuel. So David has just said, I'm going to build God a house. It's going to go great. But then God says back to him, I have been with you wherever well, I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. God has been with him. And I will, God to David, make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will, this is God to David, I will appoint a place for my people and will plant them so that they may dwell on their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men, violent men afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will, God will, give you rest from all your enemies. God's doing a lot here, isn't he? Moreover, the Lord declares that, that you, that you to, declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. Okay, so God's he's flipping it now. He's just like, you're not making me a house, I'm making you a house. When your days are fulfilled... And when you lie down with your fathers, hashtag when you're dead, I will raise up your offspring after you. You who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build for me a house for my name. So David, you're not building the house. It's one of his sons. And I will, God will, establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will, God, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, that means when he stuffs up, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the son of men. But, amazing promise, my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And he gets even better. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Your throne shall be established forever, the throne of David. Okay, and we read that and we go, okay, all right. All right, we got a little, I see what you did there. That's a, that's, a, that's a Jesus moment. Okay, so we see in this section here, this is David when things are going really well, I'm going to build a house. No, God's like, I'm going to build the house. It's going to, I'm going to build it through one of your sons. And then God makes some pretty significant promises to David, promises that reveal a lot about how the story is going to play out. This is a really big setup passage here. And God says, I will appoint the place. I will plant them. I will protect them. I will push down the enemies. I will build the house. I am one of your sons. I will love him. He will be mine. Okay, that's where things are at. Now, if you're David right now, whoa, sweet. I've got some confidence. Look at all this stuff that's God doing. There's a lot of I wills in this. I love looking for the little I wills that God says to his people. So David is doing really well, but... What happens shortly after this? 
what happens shortly after this? It's not that long until we see in chapter 12 of Samuel, five chapters later, five chapters, oh, sorry, not even, no, even less than five chapters later, um, David, David goes and does the dirty. Disobedience, self-deception, adultery, murder, cover-up, accusation. David stuffs up big time. David stuffs up big time. And he ends up with this girl called Bathsheba. For those of you that know the story, you know, she is brought in. Anyway, well, we, you know, we'll keep it G-rated today. But David stuffs up. He stuffs up. David, one of the punishments of David's stuffs up, stuff ups is that the son that is born to this woman that he, um, that he has relations with wrongfully is that child dies. And this is after David makes a, a week-long fasting and petition so it wouldn't die. God's just like, no, no, no. I'm sorry, David. And then we get to Samuel 12. Samuel 12, verse 24. David comforted his wife Bathsheba. He went into her and lay with her. She bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. And the Lord loved him. And sent a message by the Nathan by Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedediah because of the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> so we have to see here that Solomon. It's really, really helpful to see Solomon is this firstborn son to David after David should have died for what he did. God's law for the way that David treated. Bathsheba and for the way that he had Azariah murdered. God's law was saying upon David, you're dead. You should be dead. The, the punishment for this sin is, you, is you're done. But David, we see he repents. He cries out. He says, Father, forgive me for, for I have sinned against you, you and you alone. We read that in the Psalms of what that was like for David in that moment. God forgives him. And then David has this opportunity to to, to basically start afresh. And the first, the first child in that new life that David had been given is Solomon. So Solomon, we have, to th we have to think about how significant Solomon is in the story of the Bible in terms of even what he would have meant to David. It's just like, this child should not be alive. I should be dead. This child is a picture of God's grace to me and to all of Israel after the disobedience that I have performed. So Solomon is a really key player. And then we see here, there's uh, the, the little narration here. The Lord loved him, verse 24, and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So Nathan, Nathan the prophet, he's a big dog when it comes to doing life with, with David. Nathan's on board as well. Nathan knows that Solomon is significant. All right, how are we going with the context? It's, 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 it feels like it's hard going. I hope, hope it's very interesting. You're like, oh, yeah, this is kind of great. You know? <laughs> well, come along with me. There's a handover to King Solomon. It's a bit messy, but Solomon grows up. David's nearly dead. Solomon takes the throne. Now, one of the first things that's, well, in, in taking the throne, um, what is really significant for Solomon is that uh, Nathan is there. He makes that possible. Solomon, he takes the throne. Now, the first thing that Solomon asked for, if we skip ahead to 1 Kings chapter 3 now, we've got Solomon who takes the throne. All right, and this is where we start to see the setup of why Solomon is such a big dog in Israel's history. Solomon is a really significant character. 
All right. Now, Solomon, if you've been around churches for a while, Solomon, he's the wise guy. You know, it's like if, if a genie appeared to Solomon and said, you can have one wish, what does Solomon wish for? This is what we see. Solomon asks for wisdom. 1 Kings 3, this is uh, what God gives and how he can expect to, um, how he can expect what he'll get from his use of it. So 1 Kings 3, verses 10 to 14. It pleased the Lord that he had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but but have asked for your, but for, ask for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind. I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has ever been before you. None like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And... If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father walked, then I will lengthen your days. Here's a gift. Here's the, here's the response to the quest. Here's a little bit more. And if you walk well in this, it'll go well for you. And how does things, how, how does, uh, how does things go well for Solomon? 2 Kings 4 adds further, further clar- clarity. 2 Kings 4, 29 to 30, God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure, breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed wisdom of all the people of the east and of the wisdom of Egypt. So Solomon now, he's a smart dude. He's a clever dude. He's got wisdom from the Lord, which has been given to him. He's got instruction and he's got purpose. Okay. Now, Solomon, at the very start of his reign from King David, King David was like, Solomon, you are going to build the house of the Lord. But Solomon does get to the point where he starts to build the temple and he dedicates it and it is a proper party, okay? There's, they build the temple, it's, it's awesome. Solomon dedicates this temple, like there's literally fire that comes down from heaven after Solomon prays, he's on his knees, he's praying this big prayer. It's amazing. Look that up in your Bibles this week and just be very encouraged. And then after the, after the temple is dedicated and people are like, okay, I'm pretty sure God approves of this. <laughs> Solomon then gets a personal appearance from God, okay? Verse 9, verse, oh, I don't have the chapter reference there, sorry. As soon as finished, Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that Solomon desired to build, the Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I've heard your prayer and your plea, which you have made before him. This is the dedication of the temple prayer. I have considered this house, the temple that you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, sounding familiar, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever as I promised David, your father, saying you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. We read that at the start. But if you turn from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land that I have given them. Blessing, warning, that's not all. 
and the house that I, that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And Israel will become a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And this house, this amazing house, it will become a heap of ruins. Everyone passing by it will be astonished and will hiss. And they will say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they, because they abandoned the Lord their God who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and laid hold onto other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, the Lord has brought all this disaster on them. So the story is building now. If we take stock and, ha- and have a bit of a think of what we've heard so far, it's pretty clear where Solomon's wisdom, wealth, peace and power comes from, isn't it? It's pretty clear where it comes from. He hasn't manufactured it himself. Where's it come from? It's come from God. It's come from God. Now, it's pretty clear also that so far God has shown immeasurable mercy and love and grace towards Solomon so far in the playing out of this plan, hasn't it? The house has been built. It has been dedicated. There's been, a, there's been the slaughtering of like, it was like 22,000 oxen and 122,000 sheep at this temple. Like that is a lot of blood. <laughs> that is a lot of blood. And the, the fire of God has come down and then God appears to Solomon. He's like, yeah, nice. You know, good work. But here's the warning. Okay, here's the warning. Like we were thinking about at the start, God was going to act in accordance with his reputation and his adoration always. It's pretty clear. And now it's also clear how things are going to go from God's warning to Solomon. In a way, God has almost said to Solomon, look, mate, there's two ways that this can go. Okay, just keep going. Well, obey. It's going to go really well. But if you turn, the big gold box that you made, See you later. So then we see how does it go? How does it go initially? Well, um, there's this beautiful little encounter in uh, 1 Samuel. Um, 1 Samuel, uh, it talks about that. Is it 1 Samuel? Yeah, we get this little little commentary. So here's a sorry, top tip in reading the Bible. Uh, if you're not sure of like what to think about a text that you've just read, read what the narrator says about what was just going in the story. The narrator gives a lot of really helpful information because he basically says, the narrator in this in 1 Samuel 10, it says, Thus King Solomon excelled all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom, and the whole earth sought the and the whole earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his mind. Every one of him, every one of them brought his present articles of silver and gold and garments, myrrh, spices, horses and mules. So much year by year. Solomon, hashtags blessed. Solomon, everyone wants a piece of Solomon right now. Everyone is just like, oh man, have you heard like about that King Solomon up in Jerusalem? Oh, dude, so smart. Like, have you, and have you seen his Instagram page? Man, like, you seen what he's building? It's amazing. It's so good. I saw, I've watched this the best episode of Grand Designs ever. So good. And then, yeah, and then I watched another documentary on Netflix that were all written by Solomon. Just Solomon, he's like, he's, he's, like a, he's like an ancient David Attenborough. 
Like, he's so good. He's like, he's the smartest dude. He's, he's and he, oh man, have you heard about you heard his army and his, and, his, and his wealth and his accumulation? Like, man, Solomon, he's like so good. And I hear that this is a man of God. Yeah, he's, he's, he's following the Lord. Like, oh, wow. Like, oh, get a piece of Solomon. That's so good. So let's go. Let's go visit Solomon. Let's go. He's probably going to say something really wise. I heard he was giving TED Talks out this other week. We'll go listen to a Solomon TED Talk. Yeah. Got some gold. We better bring in some gold, I suppose. Can't just listen to a free TED Talk from Solomon. There's a pretty hefty ticket price. Things are going well. But then the very next chapter, Kings 11, 1 Kings 11. The heading of that chapter in your Bible will say, if you have the ESV, Solomon turns from the Lord. Verse 11, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian and Hittite women, from the nations, from the nations, concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, (laughs) neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart to their gods. Next verse, Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart. Okay, now I'm not going to say any jokes about wives, so stop laughing, Marie. (laughs) And no man should be quoting this verse, you know, to try and justify his plans and not listen to his wife because wives are awesome, yeah? A wife is awesome, I should say, a wife. A wife is awesome. (laughs) I mean wives eating all of our wives, okay? Okay. Like I said at the start of the sermon, your, your pastor will. No, anyway. So Solomon, very next verse. Okay, sorry. I should, maybe it's worth a comment there, but Solomon clung to these in love. The issue isn't, or the, there is a big issue with the amount of wives that he has, but the big application from this isn't go and marry 700, don't marry 700 women because you'll end up worshiping their idols. Like, don't do that. Um, like, just don't. But Solomon clung to these in love. In love, Solomon clung to something other than loving the Most High God. The thing here is that something was more important to Solomon than to God. There was something, Solomon was trying to please something else than God, okay? Solomon was clinging to this thing as opposed to his king. Verse 6, so Solomon did what was evil what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. That's a generous comment. Then Solomon had, had built a high place for the Chemosh, the, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mount, mountain of East Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. Um, if you know the context around that, quote right there, you understand it as we, if you're digging into Exodus, the god Molech, just pick one of them. Offerings to the god of Molech is child sacrifice. Look at how far Solomon has fallen. 
And then look at this. What does then God do in response to this? Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. And he had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. God's like, Solomon, you had one job. It's like, Solomon, this is not good. Like I've been, I've been reading through the book of Ezekiel, you know, and often people say, oh, the God of the Bible, he's, he's the God of the Old Testament, he's an angry God. And I'm like, yeah, he had a lot to be angry about. He had a lot to be angry about. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I've commanded you, since you basically said, get stuffed, God, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. Yet, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I'll give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I've chosen. Verse 14, and the Lord, the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was of the royal house of Edom. All right. I spoke about some common things that we want to see from our kings and a, a unique thing from Solomon for us. I think let's start with a unique thing from Solomon today. From Solomon, we can learn it doesn't matter how wise you think you are. You can still have your heart cling to something other than God. Solomon, Solomon had peace. He had power. He had wisdom given to him from God. Yet he still falls. Solomon is like the epitome in the Old Testament. He's the epitome of what blessing from God looks like. He was the celebrated poster boy of when the, the Israelites are like, this is what happens when we do what God says. Wisdom, temple, amazing. Queen of Sheba comes in. Solomon, you rock. That's like the outsider's perspective. This is Solomon. So we have to ask, who do we think we are if we think, if we feel that we can have a little bit of our own plans on the side when it's a plan that it conflicts with the first calling of God? Who do we think we are? We have to be so, so careful that we don't take the gifts that God has given us for his purposes and make them be subject to our own. That's the tragedy that we see in Solomon, isn't it? This wise man, he had everything going for him, everything going for him, yet he takes this good thing from God and he misuses it for his own pleasure, for his own deceived, deceptive joy and fulfilment. And he's the wisest guy there was. <laughs> I was just like, I'm not wise. 
<laughs> like if Solomon can fall, we can all fall. And what else we want to see from Solomon is like you can be the most gifted person in the world, but if your gifts from God are used for you and not for him, verse 14, God will raise up adversaries. And the scary thing is when we, when we read the book of Romans, sometimes the adversary that God raises up is just letting you continue in your merry way away from him. That's, that can be his judgment. Like in a way, Solomon, Solomon is, he gets blessed by God in a way because God's just like, okay, I need to raise up a pagan warrior from a completely different land to just come in and crush you, to stop you before you do something too dumb. Imagine if God hadn't have done that. Imagine how bad it could have been for all of Israel. It's, it's so, and it's just, it's so scary. So what do we want to see from Solomon? Doesn't matter how wise you think you are. Doesn't matter how, how right you think you might be about something. We've always got to be checking ourselves and making sure that the path that we're on is the path that God has set and not we have set. Now, if we transition slightly, if we look at one of our other common themes, that common theme is God will always act in accordance with his reputation and adoration, always. God will act in accordance with his reputation and adoration, always. Specifically, what we're going to see in a lot of these kings and what we can see in Solomon today is that God will build up the faithful and he will also tear down the faithless. Why? Because his people represent him. His people represent him. So, you know, when, when we are representing God well, when we're representing God well, we see for Solomon, God is like, good, keep going. Like you're my chosen king. You are representing me. You are following me. Your, your posture is one of lift me up. I'm going to help you do that because everything is for my glory, not for yours. Okay. Remember, I'm God. So it's like, I'm God, you're not God. Like everything is for his glory. At, at the end, you know, if we get a, if when we peek into heaven, the, the angels are saying, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Okay, it's all about God. It's all about God. It's not, about, it's not ultimately about us. We get to be swept up in the praise of God and that is awesome. Like when you are partying and celebrating something awesome is great. We know that. Like it's, that's why... Us and even all of our friends are quite happy to sit at an open coastline, look out at the ocean, and we just feel so good because it's just like it helps us feel, it makes us feel small, doesn't it? And like we're just like, this is amazing. Like why do I feel we need to get, we, we want to celebrate that beauty. And when you're there celebrating that beauty, you also feel good. There's a, you know, the, as John Piper would say, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's for, it's for God's glory and God will build up the faithful and tear down the faithless. When we're representing, when Solomon is representing God well, God's like, good, keep going. Here's what you need. Keep doing that. Because every, every time people see an association of me being honored and that going well, I, I, I'm going to get, I'm going to get honored. Like, you know, like Solomon's Instagram page, like, oh yeah, I like that. Oh, that's it. That's, that's an evidence of God. It is in his, in, in his heart, isn't it? But then there is, he'll tear down the faithless. So if, if the kings, representation of God is bad, God is like, stop dragging my name through the mud. 
and God will put an end to it. Now, the timing of all of that will often look different, but it's really important for us to realize that there is a day when every knee will bow before God. Every knee will bow. And God cares a lot about his reputation. He cares a lot about his adoration. And when there's those, like King Solomon, that bear witness to his name, he is the king of Israel. And then Solomon is just like, 700 wives, dude. And, mate, Solomon, your wife was uh, sacrificing one of the children to uh, the god of Molech. Like, that does not look good on God. That does not look good on Solomon. And God's just like, that's it, you're done. You're done. God will act in accordance with his reputation and adoration always. But even, amaz- even more amazing about God is that it's not just our actions that are going to determine God's blessing, isn't it? It's not just all up to us on the way. It's not all up to us on the way that God is going to to respond to this world. God, He makes promises, and He still blesses those that don't deserve it. He blesses those based on the faithfulness of others. As we see, read, as we read, as He says to Solomon, He says, "I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant." Yet, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days. Solomon, you've screwed up, but because of what David's done, actually, I'm going to have mercy on you. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. There's, there's, a, there's a beauty here to this little this little thing that God wants to say to Solomon, that even in the face of disastrous disobedience, God will still honour his loving promises made to those he loves. He still honours David and his obedience. David, the man after his own heart. Like Israel is screwed up and Solomon is screwed up. But God's just like, well, because of David, I'm going to still honour and look after a remnant. Because there's a people that are mine and because there's a city that I have, I'm still going to look after and make a way that is possible. And we see that we see that same promise come to us in Jesus, don't we? We see that Jesus, that the new and better David, Jesus who was not only, after, not only the man after God's own heart, but who was God in flesh, Jesus who was the one who who, who honoured God in every single way. It's because of Jesus that we get God's mercy, isn't it? That when God looks at us and he looks at our disobedience, he goes, look, I should destroy you. But yet for, my, for the sake of my servant, Jesus Christ, my son, I will spare you. And it's, a, it's the beauty of just being able to rest in the beautiful leadership and lordship of Jesus. 
So Solomon is this case study for how even you can take the world's greatest human ruler and you'll see he's going to fail. He'll always fail. And it points us to the need for a, for a king who is fully human but also fully divine who won't fail, who is, who is the one that God will look to as he represents the people. So as I close, it's just let's have a look at how Solomon and Jesus compare. There's one way in which they're alike. They are a baby of fresh start after sin. Solomon, born after David's sin. Jesus, born into a world of sin for a fresh start for all those who have committed sin. But yet when you line up Solomon and David, so, sorry, Solomon and Jesus, Solomon has wisdom given by God to him. Jesus is wisdom personified, God's wisdom personified in him. Solomon used wisdom for himself. Jesus used his wisdom for others. Solomon leads people in a time of peace and prosperity that his, that his father set up for him. Jesus leads people through a time of persecution and poverty. Solomon was inconsistent in his faithfulness to God. Jesus was always faithful to God. Solomon was distracted by his own selfish desires. Jesus was solely devoted to God's desire. At the end of life, Solomon was complacent. At the end of life, Jesus was committed. Solomon He was a child who God blessed despite the disobedience. Jesus, he gives his blessing to God's children despite our disobedience. So what I want us to remember from this as we close this morning, if there's ever a king to have hope in, there was ever a human king to have hope in, Solomon was the guy. But he failed and it, lived, and it led to division and destruction, didn't it? But I want us to see that now as we come to this side of the cross of Christ, where Jesus has lived, died and risen again to new life to show a new and better way, to show a faithfulness that it was undisturbed no matter what could come his way, there is now a second chance for all of us to follow the new and better king to submit to him, to love him, to live for him, to know that God will look to him and he will take what was meant for us and he will, he will have placed it onto his son. There'll be a beautiful, great exchange and the punishment for the sin that would have kept us from blessing, Jesus takes that punishment on himself so that we can walk in peace once again. So church, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the new and better king. Learn the hard lessons from Solomon. He's paid the dumb tax so that we don't have to. And let's depend on Christ and Christ alone. Let me pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you uh, for this series that we can start in. Looking at the king's 
that have gone before us, that you have raised up, both good and bad. Lord, would you help us to be a people that so willfully and lovingly want to submit to our King Jesus because he so willfully and lovingly has served us sacrificially in a way that we totally didn't deserve. Thank you that his blessing falls upon us because he was willing to let our punishment fall on him. We praise you and we thank you for the things that you can teach us through the people of old as you speak to us afresh by your spirit today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.